This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast designed and produced specifically for Florida small business owners and entrepreneurs. Small Biz Florida, talk that works for Florida. This podcast is supported by the Florida SBDC Network, providing the tools, strategies, and expertise to help Florida's business community thrive. Visit the Florida SBDC online at www.floridasbdc.org or contact your local office and get started on your path to success today. This is Small Biz Florida, the podcast and broadcast that's all things business across the state of Florida. And uh, I'm Tom Kindred, and if you've been tuning in, you know that we're coming to you from the Florida Makes Make More Summit, Make More Manufacturing Summit. Uh, We are in Lake Nona. We are at the Guidewell Innovation Center, and I'm telling you, and I've said this before, if you haven't been to Lake Nona lately, you got to get over here and see what's going on over here. Incredible uh, amount of entrepreneurial, um, small business, innovation activity going over, going on over in this uh, neck of the woods. So incredible place. Um, it, uh, it's all about workforce here for the next couple of days here at the uh, Florida Make Summit. Uh, we're talking about talent pipeline and um, how to upskill our workforce and and how to fill all those jobs? We um, we had a vet uh, Faulkner on uh, 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 a previous uh, segment talking about all the unfilled jobs in the state of Florida. So, got to find a way to to fill the positions. Uh, we've got someone who can help us uh, with that right now. We've got Dr. Christopher Laney, uh, who is senior workforce strategist at Lightcast. Dr. Laney, welcome to Small Biz Florida. It is good to be here. Thank you, sir. Um, so talk to us, I guess, first, as we always kind of start, your pathway to Lightcast. Yeah, it's, it's one of those traditional pathways. I was in middle school, and I said, I want to really go into workforce development. <laughs> and uh, how do I get there? Right, you know, right. that, that was kind of how it works. No, yeah. I, I was working in uh, marketing, and, uh, and I, I grew up in Florida. So I'm, I'm from the great state of Florida. And, um, you know, I was part of a chamber consortium and a chamber, a chamber board, and they were like, hey, we got to develop a conference. We do it every year. And I said, well, let's do a conference for students. You keep talking about the brain drain and the, all these students that are graduating from here and they're leaving the area. So I was like, well, what if we do a conference where you had students come and all the speakers were industry leaders and uh, come to find out after doing that as a volunteer for a few years, that's called workforce development. Um, yeah. exposing students to careers. And so Career Source came to me and they said, you want to do this full time? And I thought, I don't know what that means, but yeah. well, why not? <laughs> and, uh, and so I uh, worked for Career Source for a while. And one of my partners was a company called MZ. Um, and MZ... Is that MZ Report? Uh, it, it could be an, uh, an MZ Report. There is a, an MZ Report. Yes, there is. Um, and so uh, MZ recruited me out of Florida into Idaho, where we're headquartered. And then last year, we merged with a company called Burning Glass, which was a competitor of ours called MZ Burning Glass. And then just a few months ago, changed the name to Lightcast. Nice. And so that's the uh, very traditional and traditional pathway right. to Lightcast. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, t- so next question, uh, what is Lightcast? What do you guys do? Yeah, so we, we provide labor market data and analysis. What does that mean? Uh, a lot of communities or states will use our data to predict what's happening in the labor economy today. 
we have educational institutions that may use our data to predict the type of programming that sh they should be offering to students to help them get prepared for the careers of the now and future. We have businesses that use our data both in the hiring processes as well as site selection and understanding maybe where they want to open up their next warehouse or location. And then the communities, which I, I work on the workforce and economic development team, so I work with workforce and economic development agencies on how to understand what is happening in their community. Maybe it's a skills gap, maybe it's understanding what industry sectors they should focus on, things of that nature. Well, and again, when you say IMSI report, I actually have run a number of IMSI reports. We have access to IMSI reports through the SBDC. They are a very deep dive into a community, uh, industry, top industry sectors, top employers. So all that very detailed, granular data about a, a community. Is that, and that's... Tom, Tom it's, they're called Lightcast reports now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, right, it okay. is. But, you know, for 20 years, we were called IMSI, so okay. obviously... Obviously, that's it's the same thing. Same thing. Uh, but okay. yes, we've we've rebranded, um, okay. and we're still trying to get the name out because it's only been a couple of months. Well, <laughs> uh, let me tell you, you I'll help you because they are incredibly uh, robust reports uh, that can really, as you say, shed an awful lot of light uh, on decision making, uh, strategic focus. Yes, yeah, and it's it's such a pleasure pleasure to work with organizations when they get this aha of like, oh, that's what the data is saying. Right. What does that mean? Because the data in many times tells you kind of a, a, a current story or a past story. It doesn't give you a lot of predicted analysis. We do some of that. We do some industry and occupation um, proje projections. But it's using that data to start to make some strategy about how we what does the next five years look like? What's the next 10 years look like? And that was really the, the crutches of the conversation I had today when I was speaking was, hey, in Florida, we're going to add 705,000 jobs. We have about 840,000 people that are going to move to this area between the ages of 25 and 64. However, we have a 60% labor force participation rate. So we only have about a half a million. So right now there's a, there's a shortage, right? We have a bunch of jobs and there's a shortage of people. And in five years, guess what? We're going to add more jobs and have more of a shortage. So what are we going to do? And that's, and that's what your data will help us develop the strategies to address that. That's correct. Yeah. And, and honestly, we also were working for the first time. Lycast has taken that, that position of like, well, it's not enough just to work with these communities and businesses, but now we have to figure out how to work directly with the job seekers. And so now we're starting to develop products around going directly to the job seekers so that job seekers can start to make data-informed decisions about their careers as well. That, that's an interesting point. Uh, so you're telling me that, that a, a, a potential employee could use your data to um, decide a career path. Uh, did I oversimplify no, that? No, yeah, you're absolutely right. So we, we have uh, one of the products called SkillFit, and what it does is essentially does a skills inventory of an individual. We, they upload their resume. We extract skills based on previous occupations, education, and we look at those skills and we say, hey, these are the skills that you say you have or should have. That person then goes through a skill selection process, builds out a skills inventory, and then we match them to jobs based on skills and not necessarily educational requirements. Wow. <laughs> um, the scary part is, real quickly, that I'm just, I'm never going to take that test because I, I may crash your computer. <laughs> I don't, this guy's qualified to do nothing. We don't know. But... Um, <laughs> 
that that's an incredible tool. I mean, how does one access that? How does a young person access that? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Right now, it's it's through certain communities, like communities that have purchased the tool and give it access to job seekers. However, however, going back to my point, this is where we're starting to explore should we be launching these types of tools for free to the job seekers and then allowing communities, if they want to purchase data, they can purchase kind of the, the behind-the-scenes right. data. This is, this is a paradigm shift for a company like ours because right. we've always been the B2B type company. Right. Now we're looking at opportunities to not only go to B2C but not charge B2C. Because job seekers, if you're a job seeker, you don't want to be buying tools. A lot of times you can't afford it. Right. So how can we help you now make more informed decisions? Because we have a responsibility as a data company, as somebody that cares about the future of work, to ensure that people are getting into the jobs and industries that they want to be in and also qualified to be in based on their interests and skills. Well, again, kind of interesting conversation because my next question was going to be, who's your, who's your customer? But it sounds like your your light uh, light cast is sort of working on that. Well, Who is your customer? We know our customer really well in the current model. Okay. Communities like workforce boards, economic okay. de- development agencies, the businesses that we work with, the educational institutions we work with. Those are the three business units that we have. We work with them really well, and that's not going to change. We do a lot of projects with those industries. The question is now, when we have such a shortage today, and we have a bunch of or not a bunch of job seekers, because we really don't have a bunch of job seekers, but we want to make sure that we're doing a perfect alignment and matching the individuals that are looking for jobs to make better data-informed decisions about the industries that they're going to go into or the occupations that they're going to go to. Also, when you're doing a skills inventory, think about the job seeker that has been working in some of these like frontline positions as maybe a waiter or they were a cashier. They go through and do this. I don't have a lot of skills. I would never make it in manufacturing. I would never make it in construction because I don't have those skills yet. What they realize is some of those skills that they had as a cashier or in or as right. a waiter are transferable. They go, I had no idea I had 20 skills. Right. And then we go, hey, you're a 60% match to this job right here in this industry you want to be in. Let's talk about how you can close that gap a little bit through some extra training. And that and that's the area that we want to spend and f- more time on and focus on. Uh, and worthwhile effort. Uh, For sure. Worthwhile endeavor. Um, what, what uh, so you, you are a presenter today uh, uh, at the uh, Florida Makes uh, Make, Make More Manufacturing Summit. Um, again, the focus for the summit uh, is all about talent pipeline and, and workforce. What were your answers today? Did you do you have answers? Do you have thoughts, <laughs> ideas? Did you did you wow the crowd today with a with a with the the silver bullet? What? Yeah. So t- Tom, I always say if I had the silver bullet, I <laughs> we would get paid a lot more money, right? right like right. you know, um, we do come with some proven strategies that we are seeing that is working around the country. And so while I can't give you the silver bullet of how we're going to reach the gap right now of having a worker shortage, what I do say is, hey, here are some strategies that we're starting to see happen across the country. One example that I gave you, I gave in the in the keynote today that I really do appreciate was one of our partners in Maryland was talking about an employer that he was working with, and they started uh, paying the legal fees for some previously incarcerated individuals wow. that were leaving. What they found was the retention rate in a year, they had 100% retention. Those individuals were more dedicated to that employer because they felt like that employer cared. And at that time, that, that individual got more skills, got higher pay, and they're still with that company. 
Now, when I say they're paying legal fees, we're not talking about tens of thousands of dollars. We're talking like a $1,200 bill that they had to, pay, that had to pay, and the employer right. says, I got that for you. Don't worry about it. Take that, off your, take that burden off your plate. Right. And that's just one example of a strategy that one employer said, this is what we're going to do, and they're seeing success. So when I start to talk about strategies, we start to talk about, hey, as an employer, what can you do in your local community, right. whether it's with previously incarcerated, whether it's with differently abled individuals, could be with homeless individuals, those kind of overlooked talent pools, as an example. Because the conversation that we have, and we've been having it now for two years, this is not a labor crisis of the unemployed. We have a, we have a record low unemployment. It is a labor crisis of the unengaged. We have a lot of people that are out of the labor force and they're not working and they're not on unemployment. Those are the people we need to try to encourage to get back in the labor force. Right. How does a small business owner operator leverage Lightcast? How, how, do, how do they leverage you? Is there, do they have access to your data? Do they, is it a subscription model? Yeah. How, do they get in, how do they get engaged with you and learn from you? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. And there's kind of two ways of going about that. Yes, we do have businesses that have direct relationships and subscriptions with us. We have a product that they can use for data analysis that they can pay for themselves. However, a lot of small businesses, they can't afford to have access to all these different, you know, traditional labor market data tools, especially if they're a small business that are, they're not hiring more than five or 10 people a year. But for that small business, five to 10 is a lot when you can't find them, right? right? So what we tell our communities, because we work with, especially in the state of Florida, I would, be, I would be shocked if there is not an organization within a community somewhere in the state of Florida that doesn't have access to our data. So that organization can be the hero of the story. You can go to them. So the first place I would tell small businesses, go to your career source and see if they have access to our data. And if they do, they can help you with you know, the, what you're trying to do. Right. That would be my first start. If it's not them, then it's probably somebody in economic development. In fact, right. we have a statewide contract with Florida Power and Lights, and they give 50 organizations in the state of Florida access to our data. And so that's why I say there's someone in the state that they could reach out to and get access. And I guess, you know, this whole uh, workforce talent pipeline issue, you know, we, again, it's all we talk about, really, anymore in, in business. Um, it, it really is, I guess, at the end of the day, well, maybe I'm oversimplifying. I start to say it really is a data issue. But I guess there's, there are some nuances in this whole thing. You know, uh, again, empathy, emotional intelligence, uh, benefits. So it, it really there really isn't a quick fix to this, but I guess... While we're having the conversation with Lightcast, I guess uh, um, a, a lot of a lot of assistance can be provided by understanding the data. Does that does that make sense? I mean, yeah. So what I could tell you is there's no quick fix because we don't think you can fix it. We have a shortage of people, and we don't think that's going away. Okay. And that's just based on population growth. Now, Florida benefits from the fact that this is a state that people migrate to. Right. And so over the course of the next four to five years, we will see 1.2 million people move into the state. That's great. You know, there's other states I speak to that don't have that opportunity, right? Right. They have a labor shortage and negative population growth. Wow. You know, yeah. so, so the first thing is we don't think the labor shortage is going away. Florida can position themselves to have better alignment with those people that are coming into the state to make sure that they're picking the right careers for them. Okay. And that's going to take some strategy and using right. data to better understand how that alignment's going to work is going to be very important. That makes perfectly good sense. And I guess, so you, your Lightcast is an easy sell. 
to state agencies. Piece of cake. You you walk in, they say, who do we who do we send the check to? Yeah, I mean, it's not always an easy sell. <laughs> uh, we have competitors out there somewhere. Right. Um, but here in the state of Florida, there are a lot, we have a lot of partners that do believe in our data, and we have um, we work with. Uh, the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity, Florida Department of Education, Career Source Florida, right. uh, the Florida Chamber, they all use our data. Right. And so they're using our data to make that analysis and decisions. And nice. so it's it only makes sense that even at a local business level that individuals are finding ways to make good data-informed decisions. Nice. Makes perfectly good sense. Um, I like it. It is Dr. Christopher Laney. Uh, with the uh, data company Lightcast. I don't guess, um, I guess we can always throw out your website, uh, even though. Um, Lightcast.io. Okay. <laughs> um, simple. Simple. Um, but uh, I like your point. You, what, what, uh, what a small business owner needs to try to do is understand who has access to your data well, and then leverage it that way? Yeah, you know what? There's one other point that I would make for our data, and that is the fact that almost every couple of weeks we're launching a new study, and that study is free to everyone. Okay. And over the last couple of years, our study around the demographic drought, um, which is talking about the shortage of people, um, it is essential for businesses to read that study. It's not nice. super long, and that will give them an understanding of what's happening in the labor economy and understand that this is not pandemic-driven. This is stuff that's been coming to a crutch over the last 20 years. Right. And so read those studies when they come out. We have a new study coming out next month called Missing Workers, and we start to break down discouraged versus non-discouraged workers and then those overlooked talent pools. Yeah, well, you, and you talked about the the unengaged. I mean, where where does all the... Where does the quiet quitting and the, um, you know, where does all that have to, where does that play into all of this? Is that, that's part of this, the unengaged worker, the, the quiet quitters? And, uh, no, the unengaged know. worker is those that are on the sidelines not working right they're not, now. They're not, they're, they're not, they're not working. They're not on unemployment. Uh, they're out of the workforce for whatever reason, and you have the you know discouraged ones for whatever reason. The undiscouraged might be the ones that want to be in the workforce, but they're taking care of a family right. member or something along those those lines. The overlooked talent pools are those that want to be in the workforce, but they've been out maybe because they feel like I have a disability and I can't work, and that's just not necessarily true. And so those are the people that we're focused on. The quiet quitting is is a different category, right. um, and and the, and the great resignation. Where where does all this does that we, play into we, this? We actually, over the last year, have not been using the words great resignation. Okay. We believe we've been using the language of the great reshuffle because okay. the great resignation didn't drive individuals back into the labor force. People didn't just quit and then people are reengaged. The great reshuffle is because people quit their jobs and took new jobs at higher paying rates. And so that was, we took the labor force, we threw them out on a, you know, and we just shuffled them all up and then we right. put them back in the labor force. Our labor force participation wasn't increasing. It was actually right. decreasing right. during that period of time. Um, and we have a term for quiet quitting now, obviously. Um, it's just another terminology that we've come up. People have been quiet quitting right. forever, right. Right? right? Forever. They just didn't communicate it on TikTok. Right, right. And, and uh, we, we've been talking for 10 years about employee engagement. And there was the, the whole uh, you know, study out um, about employee engagement and that you have some percentage of your, your team that are actively disengaged, somewhat disengaged. So that, that's been a conversation too. That's not new. No, it's not new. I mean, I work for 
in my opinion, one of the coolest companies. One of the keynotes in there was saying, why should people come work for you? I was like, we have beer on tap. In our office, like that's a that's a pretty good. Reason, I mean, that's I a benefit. That, we have right. a cool company. We have a lot of flexibility. We have you know cool roles, pay, good paying jobs. We have all those types of things. But we have people that quite quit in our own organization. Right. People just become disengaged for whatever reason, and right. it might not even be the company's fault. Right. Sometimes it can be personal circumstances sure. that are driving the reasoning for why they might want to leave because they're like, my life it needs a change. Right. I need a change. Right. right, and sometimes that's related to a job. So people have been quite. I mean. Tom, I would be surprised if you haven't quiet quit at some point in your career. <laughs> it was probably when I owned my own business. You know, so, you know, yeah. so we, we've all I, been there. I didn't there. like the boss. Uh, yeah. He didn't um, pay as well. That's right. Uh, so I, I, I think I hear what you're saying. So we've got, this, we've got this group of folks on the sidelines. We've got this disengaged group. Um, we're never going to fix the math in this is what I hear you saying. We're, we're always going to have more jobs than we have people. That's sort of, right. Okay? Yeah. So we can't fix it through math. So what you're trying to do at Lightcast is you're trying to take data and technology and you're trying to make sure that we're matching people to the job that, um, that fulfills them and they're engaged with. And That's correct. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely correct. And then one of the strategies I did mention towards the end of the presentation is taking this industrial engineering mindset where you have somebody who comes in and rethinks processes, starts to think about how do we have a lesser worker mentality around doing the jobs that we need. Can you combine roles where you need one person to do job versus two? And I'm not telling you that one person should do two jobs. I'm saying, are there things in job descriptions now that we might be able to eliminate where then one person could have, could do the job that those job descriptions, you know, those, those tasks are part of. And so starting to take that mentality, because if you have this mentality that I'm just going to start creating jobs because I have a need, well, you're not going to always find the people to be able to fill those production needs. And so what do you need to do and strategize now? Because it's only going to get worse. Wow. Okay. Glad we've had you on the uh, the podcast. I'm glad to be here. Yes. It's a good conversation. I, I love it. it. And again, relevant, current, uh, makes sense. And again, it's, uh, we've heard from multiple folks already that um, that things are happening in Florida in terms of growth and, and population growth. And, and we really do need to be strategizing now about how we deal with this. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Makes sense. It is Dr. Christopher Laney, Senior Workforce Strategist at Lightcast, uh, formerly uh, MZ, uh, but now Lightcast. Uh, so um, uh, excellent work. Um, I do uh, have great appreciation for the work that you do. Uh, I've, I've used those reports on a regular basis. So I'm good to hear that. that. Yep. Um, thank you, sir. We appreciate, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, with that, we'll bring to close this segment of uh, Small Biz Florida. Uh, I am Tom Kindred. We are coming to you from the Florida Makes Make More Manufacturing Summit here at Lake Nona. And uh, stay tuned because there's a whole lot more to come. This is Small Biz Florida. This has been Small Biz Florida, created and produced by the Florida Small Business Development Center at Indian River State College. Your host for Small Biz Florida is Tom Kindred. Partners for Small Biz Florida include WPSL and WSTU and Indian River State College, named the 2019 winner of the Aspen Prize for Community College Excellence.